You're listening to Conversations in the Cloud, a weekly podcast where IT leaders exchange insights about issues around cloud architectures for the data center. And now your host, Alison Klein. Welcome to Conversations in the Cloud. My name is Allison Klein, and we've got Jay Jukkowitz from Nimbula back in the studio with us. Welcome, Jay. Thank you. Great to be here again. So you are a Director of Product Management at Nimbula, and we had you back on the show in 2011 talking about the solutions that you guys were bringing to the market with the cloud. Why don't we just start with a baseline of, of reminding the audience where Nimbula's focus is in terms of cloud computing and the products that you have in the marketplace? Nimbula Director is our product, and it's an infrastructure as a service uh, software. It basically sits between the uh, bare metal x86 servers and does everything that's needed to aggregate those together and create permissions and isolation and multi-tenancy, scalability and resiliency and so on, up to the point where you have a self-service API. So uh, with that self-service API, end users can request compute resources, network resources, uh, storage resources, and uh, you know configure network security and so on. And so basically the, the idea is to be able to create something as scalable, flexible, and self-service as EC2, um, but in your own private data center, whether you're a private enterprise, a government, or someone trying to build out your own service provider. Since we last talked, I think you released a new product to the marketplace. Can you tell us about that? Absolutely. So we released Nimbula Director 1.5 September of last year. We added persistent block storage functionality so that to go along with your virtual machines, you can now attach data and, and have that data persist across the life of the VM. Um, and we also have, you know, unlike a lot of cloud storage offerings, uh, kind of quality service enforcement and where you could say which users can use which class of storage uh, so you can get the right cost for the right people you know, for the right use. Uh, we also added a NAT functionality. So for our service provider customers that want to be able to uh, have certain virtual machines be on the public Internet and some of them not, uh, we're able to, to do that. We also introduced a, a multi-site capability. So basically... Whichever site you log into, you have visibility of the entire cloud across all the sites, and you're able to launch at any site that you have permissions on. When you look at those kind of capabilities, why are they so important to end customers who are deploying cloud? Persistent storage is important because applications ultimately have data. Um, Most of the applications in the cloud, uh, people do run as scale-out, stateless applications, a kind of grow and shrink as needed over time, where any instance can be deleted or recreated at will without the need for persistent storage. But you'll find even these scale-out apps are backed by some sort of persistent store. Maybe it's like a MySQL database or a clustered MySQL database. And for those, you need a persistent block store uh, backing it. Ultimately, at the end of the day, the data's got to be there and not disappear. What it comes down to is being able to run more important applications that have important things to hold on to. Um, on the multi-site, I think it's it's a critical feature because, I mean, who wants a one-site cloud? Right? If you have that one site and it becomes disabled or destroyed or disconnected from the Internet, then you don't have a cloud anymore. So, um, you know, particular service providers would, if they want to provide, uh, you know, resilient service to, to their customer base, is going to need to have multiple buildings to assure that. On the NAT functionality, the key thing there is, Again, uh, not every instance should be on the public network and not everything should be hidden away from the world. The ability to have the default where everything's hidden away, but then certain instances, you know, on on a per-instance basis can be placed on the public network. Let's say you're running a uh, multi-tier application in a public site. What you could do is you could put the load balancer on the public network and have the web and the app and the database servers securely hidden behind the firewall. 
And so now you have a very um, easy to secure, very simple to manage entry point instead of having to protect every single thing from every possible attack on the web. When you look at um, the director of product, um, how does it compare to Amazon EC2? You know, is that a good comparison for what you're delivering to the marketplace? I think it's one of the better comparisons that one can make in that there's a high degree of philosophical alignment there. I think where it's different in mindset from Amazon is that it's got kind of an enterprise or you know multi-tier organization focus to mm-hmm. it where you kind of have multiple layers of delegation where instead of an, a developer signing up for for the service you have um, a company putting a, an entire organization on the service and there's this one person or group of people who are the people financially responsible for that tenant and they're responsible for the tenant security and they can create users and groups and arbitrarily delegate permissions to the users and groups and then those users and groups can share amongst themselves if they're allowed to. And and that kind of very fine-grained, delegated responsibility and kind of trying to mirror like real human organization, I think is, is something that's, that's different from an EC2 mindset. And then also the idea that these tenants are totally isolated by default, but then can collaborate with one another when and if appropriate, if both sides agree to, is, is sort of another difference. You don't basically don't get this public versus private uh, concept. It's, it's, a, it's mine, and then I can choose to share it with very specific individuals in very specific ways. Um, and I think that is a, um, another, another difference. When you look at um, the evolution of cloud since we talked about nine months ago to where we are today, what are the surprising things that you've seen when you've talked to customers about the things that they're thinking about deploying today? And where do you think is the, the next wave of opportunity in this space? Uh, really, the interesting thing about cloud and the evolution of the cloud market is people's understanding of it and who's understanding it, how and where. I think there are a number of people who see cloud as uh, an evolution of virtualization, where it's just better, slicker, um, lower cost uh, virtualization management. And while there's a place for that, that doesn't really get to the crux of uh, cloud. Cloud is, is really much more about um, complete self-service, complete agility, um, you know, the complete elimination of administrators from, from day-to-day tasks. And what's, what's interesting is we're seeing a lot of uptake on, on these concepts outside the U.S. Um, a lot of times when, uh, you know, U.S. technology companies introduce something new, you see it kind of go through the U.S. first, you know, maybe a couple of geographies in the U.S., then the rest of the U.S., and then uh, branch out to the outside world. Um, but you really see a lot of uptake of, of Nimbula Director outside the U.S. as well, um, probably in a much higher proportion than with other technologies like virtualization. We see uptake in, in the BRIC countries has been uh, pretty impressive. And, and it's just kind of interesting. It's kind of a surprise. I think we might have expected. It's sort of like when telephone landlines uh, didn't make it all the way across the world in, in significant portions. And then cell technology came out. And some of these emerging countries just said, okay, well, we're not going to bother with landlines. We're going to build a massive you know, cellular infrastructure because it's cheaper and easier and and more advanced. Um, and that's, you know, kind of what's happening with cloud. I think you have people that you know, maybe didn't catch on completely with the client server and didn't catch on complete with virtualization, but now they're going right to cloud. And, and I think that's probably been the, you know, the, the international aspect of the business has probably been the most surprising uh, thing for us. If uh, any of our guests want to learn more about Nimula Director and, and the reference architecture that you put out through the Intel Cloud Builders program, where should they go to find out more? And is there a place to contact you? The Cloud Builders program's got a fantastic website, and, and you can always go there. And we post this stuff on Nimbula.com as well, uh, our website. Our contact is, is on the website. I think there's you know, info at Nimbula.com, sales at Nimbula.com. Um, if you don't spam me, there's my, my address, j at Nimbula.com. And uh, 
you know, we're, we're, you know, we love all contact. Well, awesome. Well, thank you so much for being on the program, Jay. It's always a pleasure to have you on. Nimbula has been making a huge splash in cloud computing over the last year, and we love to hear about what's the latest from you guys. Oh, well, thank you for the opportunity. We really appreciate it. It's, uh, it's great being part of the Cloud Builder program and you know, the reference architecture, and uh, I think people get a lot of benefit from that. So thanks for, for doing all this. 